welcome to uh, another episode of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever dreamt about quitting the corporate rat race uh, to pursue something a bit more fulfilling? Uh, if you haven't taken the plunge yet, what's holding you back? Uh, for most of us, it's probably the fear of something. Uh, so how do we break through the fear, uh, pursue that life? That's the big question. Well, today on the Pocket Mastermind podcast, uh, my guest Hayden Humphrey uh, is going to show us and share the steps of how uh, we can make that step if you haven't already. Um, Hayden's a success coach, um, a speaker, personal, uh, professional trainer, not a personal trainer, uh, and a host of the Elevate uh, podcast. So Hayden, uh, a very warm welcome to the uh, Pocket Mastermind podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so before we jump into all of the practical stuff um, and, and help help anybody who's listening uh, with some practical steps of how they can make that transition. Um, let's give a bit of your background. Obviously, you you do quite a few things. You've done quite a few things. And I'd be mm. interested to understand how you've ended up on this path yourself. Mm. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, a bit about my background. I uh, worked in corporate technology sales for a couple of years before I decided to leave and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. um, I lived in California for a bit right out of school. That was 2015. Worked at a late stage startup right out of school for uh, about eight months uh, and then took another leap and jumped into working at LinkedIn full time um, and was part of a rotational program for that company. So spent some time in uh, an operations role, you know, customer operations role, a talent acquisition role. And then when I moved to Chicago, which is where I'm currently at at the end of 2016. That was for a business development role or sales role. Um, and I, you know, I don't know why my life tends to happen like eight month stints, but I spent <laughs> eight months at this first company. I spent eight months living in San Francisco, working at LinkedIn. And then I spent another eight months working in uh, this sales position here in Chicago before I decided to leave. And it's a much longer story, but basically what ended up happening was I had an experience where I missed my quota. I missed my sales quota at work. And it prompted this whole slew of realizations around how I had been defining, defining my you know, personal identity and my sense mm -hmm. of self-worth and value and realizing so much of it had come from my, from my career and from my resume and from where I was working and from being impressive versus doing what I actually wanted to do and <laughs> being the person that I actually wanted to be. And so when I realized that at, uh, at that point, I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to live that life. I didn't want to be that person. Um, and so I decided to leave in mid 2017 and jumped into uh, being an entrepreneur. And at the time, hadn't made any money from anything entrepreneurial. I just decided that it was the right time to leave. And I trusted that, you know, I'd be able to figure it out as, um, as I went along. And so I just passed my three year mark, which is kind of crazy uh, at the beginning of this uh, month. And, you know, looking back at the last three years, it's been a really cool exploration journey, a discovery process. I have worked in a couple of different facets with people. I ran a photography business for a while. I've done a lot of LinkedIn work, helping people better utilize and understand you know, how to create um, either jobs or clients for themselves on LinkedIn. But really my bread and butter is the coaching and the training that I do. So as a success coach, I really work with people who are feeling stuck or unfulfilled in their corporate positions. A lot of times these are people who are overachievers, high achievers, um, people pleasers. They have a hard time saying no. They have a hard time asking for what they want. I support them in figuring out what that next step is in their career towards something that's more fulfilling and something that's more exciting. And a lot of times this tends to be entrepreneurship. So people actually supporting people in the transition from leaving corporate into starting their own business, how to get started, um, you know, basically getting their, their feet more solid solidly planted. Um, I also do a lot of training work, you know, like you mentioned, the professional training aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, not the personal um, training. <laughs> yeah, a little bit different. <laughs> um, I, I work with people a lot around interpersonal skills, like interpersonal skill development. So, you know, both on an individual basis, but also, uh, you know, partnering with organizations to go in and support employees with, you know, public speaking skills, time and energy management, you know, how to give feedback more effectively, um, supporting people in better understanding how to relate to themselves and relate to other people. Um, and so that's, that's where I'm at now. It, it, my main focus is the coaching and the mm -hmm. personal training. Um, I just launched a group coaching program, which I'm you know, excited to, to get into and can talk more about specifically for people yeah, pleasers, awesome. helping people break up people pleasing. Um, but yeah, for me, that's really what it was. It was spending a couple of years in corporate deciding that this is terrible and boring and I don't want to do this and leaving and get into my own thing. 
it's interesting to come to that realization and, and you're fortunate to come to it quite soon i think for a lot of us it, that realization happens way down the line and what becomes more scary you know i touched on there at the beginning and i, I can i asked that question kind of from a a personal perspective as well and not just from myself but from those that i've kind of worked with and you kind of i think the realization or the itch or the frustration really starts to kick in and by the time you've got all of these responsibilities and then that's where the fear really comes in so i think you're quite fortunate to come to that realization quite early but what was it that kind of, that led you towards the coaching in mm -hmm. the first place yeah. So it's actually really funny because I didn't know that coaching was like a legit thing um, until a couple months after I left my full-time job. And, you know, I'm always someone that has been really interested in personal development and learning more about myself. I consider myself to be more of an introvert anyway. So I'm in my head, you know, a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and when I left my full-time job, I, you know, was just doing some exploration and looking at like, all right, if I've quote unquote, like destroyed my resume or my career by leaving this job, you know, and now the, the slate is completely wiped clean. What do I just feel like doing? What gets me excited? What direction do I want to go in. And what I found was that I found myself really called towards learning more about and connecting with people who are in the self-help coaching, leadership development and training space, you know, on Instagram, like just finding a ton of people who are producing that kind of content, talking about those topics. I was like, this is so cool. I love this. You know, I want to learn more about this. Um, and through that exploration and connecting with those people, that's actually how I got connected with the first coach that I ever hired. And in my exploratory conversation with him, he made a reflection to me that was really um, uh, relevatory and, you know, realizing how much I felt like I had to do everything by myself and was very resistant to asking for help, which is something that I'm still, still working on. Hey, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, but, um, you know, it's bloody hard, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was like in that conversation that I realized like this could actually be a really powerful partnership for me. And, you know, I think so much of creating anything in this life around your career and around your relationships and around money, so much of it just comes back to mindset because that's where everything starts from is mm -hmm. yourself and your relationship with yourself. And so I ended up partnering with him. I hired him for a couple of months and then ended up switching to another coach that I worked with for a couple of months. And it was so interesting to notice the speed at which I was taking ground <clears throat> compared to before I started working with a coach. Like before I started working with a coach, I was taking baby steps. It was baby steps comparatively to how quickly I was progressing and how quickly I was learning all these really amazing things about how I was showing up and how I was getting in my own way. Um, and through that work, through me working with coaches, I came to the, you know, this understanding of, I think that this is the work that I want to do with other people, you know? So how do I get, how do I learn more about it? How do I get, you know, trained and certified in it? And at that point I decided to go through a certification program in, in 2018. Um, you know, but I think for me, it was just starting to follow the calling and following the intuition of what I felt interested in, in the first place, starting conversations with people and then eventually just like pulling the trigger and, you know, jumping in feet first. So for anyone who hasn't, you know, uh, hired a coach before, which is probably about 99.9% .9 of the population. Yeah. Talk to us about how the relationship works. What does what does mm -hmm. how does a how does a coach and coachy relationship work? So people get an idea of of what the yeah. benefits can be. Totally. So. I think the main place where I start with people in talking about coaching is the two main things that I support people with are clarity and structure. And so clarity in that, what is it that you want to create from yourself, for yourself, from a results perspective, from an experience perspective, and clarity around what's going to get in the way of you creating those things. Because if you think about human beings, we all live off a very internalized core set of scripts or stories or beliefs or whatever word that you want to use. Mm -hmm. And so most of how we live life is patterns. We do the same things over and over and over and over again. And, you know, you think about any of, any of the learning that you've ever done in your life and you've probably come to realize like, oh, hey, that thing that I was doing, that behavior that I was doing or that pattern that I was in, I was getting in my own way and that was kind of immature and that wasn't really helpful. Um, and so you start to understand that 
that's how the entirety of your identity and your decision-making process is structured. And so the more awareness that you can bring to that and the clearer that you can get on why you do the things that you do, the core stories that are driving all of your behavior and all of your decisions, and those behavioral patterns that are getting in the way of what you want, the more quickly you can move them out of the way, break them up and practice something different. And that's really the core of what I do with people is helping them generate self-awareness around how they're getting in their own way, the reactions that stop them from getting what they want, et cetera. So the first part is clarity around what you want, clarity around how you're getting in your own way. And then the second piece around structure is actually taking a look at what's it going to take to get you from where you are to where you want to be, both in terms of a timeline perspective, timeline, milestones, action plans, like the organization of it, but then also more importantly, from an accountability perspective, because it's one thing to be clear on, here's what I want. Here's how I'm getting in my own way. Here's the timeline for it. But what's predictable is if the thing that you want is outside of your comfort zone, you're going to have to do things outside of your comfort zone to go get it. And what's predictable is that you likely won't do it or you'll get stopped or you'll always, get stuck. There's always an excuse. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Because we're human beings and that's just yeah. how we naturally operate. So accountability in terms of the structural component of that is really important because it's actually going to be the thing of what's going to hold you accountable to taking the action, especially when you don't want to. So ultimately, those are the kind of the two core things that I work with people on from a clarity perspective. What do you want? How are you going to get in your own way? And then structurally, how, how do we get organized to help you get there? And then how are you going to hold yourself accountable? Or what's the accountability that you're going to put in place in order to go out and create that thing? Nice. So let's, let's, let's start talking about the transition. So anybody who's really thinking, you know, whether, whether it's a proactive decision or as a result of what's going on with, with COVID at the moment, where we're thinking maybe it's time to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that transition. So when you work with people that go through that process, what are the common fears or feelings uh, that people tend to have when they first come to you and say, hey, I really want to do this, but blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Totally. Yeah. So I would say the core things that show up for people normally are fear of judgment. So if I leave this position to go do this thing, what are my parents going to say? What are my friends going to say? What are my communities going to say? Fear of failure. So what happens if it doesn't go the way that I want it to, or if it doesn't turn out in the exact way that I think that it's going to? Um, fear of, I would almost label it like incapability or fear of, do I even have what it takes to go out and create this thing? And therefore I should just stay where I am. Mm -hmm. And one of the, um, you know, more covert ones that I find comes up a lot is actually a fear of success. Like there's actually a fear of what if this thing that I want What if it actually comes to fruition? Because if it comes to fruition, I'm actually going to have to change up a lot of how I'm living my life and, and, and how I stay comfortable. It's actually comfortable for people to play small a lot of the times and to stay comfortable and to not, you know, uh, go after what they want because it's known. And when you start to go after something different, like leaving your corporate job or starting to build a business, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of, I don't necessarily know exactly how this is going to go. I don't have all the skills yet. I don't necessarily know how I'm going to get from A to Z. Um, And so there's a fear of success. Like what if this actually happens? And, you know, therefore, what am I going to have to give up or how uncomfortable am I going to have to get? So a lot of the times I find that it's fear that gets in the way of the transition. Um, And ultimately it becomes this question of willingness. It's, are you willing to explore that? Are you willing to go out and get messy and try things anyway, even if you don't necessarily know exactly how it's going to go? Because what I find is there's a general sense of discomfort a lot of times, especially with people that I work with. There's this feeling of like, I hate my job. I feel stuck in corporate um, or if you, you know, if you don't have a job now, or if you lost your job, I don't want to go back to corporate, but I feel like I have to. So there's this sense of feeling stuck in this discomfort. And then there's this desire of, Hey, I think that this thing would be really cool. Like I think that me working for myself, serving the people that I want to serve, making an impact on the world, creating my own schedule. I think that would be really cool. 
but I don't necessarily know how I'm going to get there. And what tends to happen is people choose the fear and the discomfort that they're more comfortable with and that they know, which is staying in corporate or getting another corporate job versus actually taking the risk and trusting that they'll be able to like go out and figure it out in the, you know, in the process. So how do you help people, first of all, identify what that fear is and then how do you how do you how do you start to approach overcoming that fear what's what mm-hmm. what kind of how do you interrupt that that fear pattern i guess it's another pattern isn't it right it's yep. a, a thought thought pattern going around and around so how do you help them start to interrupt that and then start to take practical steps towards mm-hmm. moving towards something that they're um they're really after Yeah. Well, I think what you'll find is that most of us are very clear on what our fears are. Like we might not have articulated it, but most of us, if you ask people, they'll tell you, they're like, yeah, I'm afraid of it not working. I'm afraid of it. Uh, You know, I'm afraid of what my parents are going to think. I I don't necessarily know if I have what it takes to go out and start this business. So, you know, part of it is generating awareness. And that's always the first step in any change is creating awareness of what's actually so, what is the fear, what is the problem? And through that exploration, through generating more awareness around the fear, what you tend to find is that it's not as like overwhelming as you've uh, thought it was prior. Cause Mm -hmm. I think, you know, (laughs) it's really funny actually, I don't know if you've been, you've been in a a state where you've been overwhelmed and you're like, I have a million things to do and they're all like all these things and they're all competing and blah, blah, blah. And then you sit down and you look at it and you're like, oh, there's actually, I only have like three things. There's yeah, just these right. three things and they're <laughs> super easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like without the clarity around what's actually happening, the way that you interpret it is overwhelming, mm-hmm. uh, unmanageable. It becomes this roadblock or this obstacle. And I think that that's what happens a lot of times um, in this conversation of how fear stops people from going out and starting a business or you know becoming an entrepreneur. And so from an awareness perspective, a lot of it is just getting clear on like, how does that show up for you? Where does that come from? Where do you notice this coming up in other areas of your life? And ultimately, like, what is the worst case scenario? Because that tends to be where people go most often is like, oh, man, well, if I leave, then, you know, by, by that trajectory, I'll become homeless. I'll become destitute. Um, no one's going to love me anymore. I will be a complete failure. I'll never be able to, be able to get a job again, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it becomes this worst case scenario thinking. And I think that as human beings, I get it because fear has a stronger gravity a lot of times, a more natural uh, gravity um, than the other side of the equation. Um, but when you actually take a look and sit down, you're like, that, that's not likely to happen. You know, I could go out and spend three months trying to get this business off the ground. And if it doesn't work, I'm in basically the same position that I am now. And I'm just going to go find another job and go, I'll be able to make it work. So I think step one to your question, step one is just creating awareness around what's actually so, what's the thing in the way. And then step two is starting to look at what's the opportunity on the other side of moving those things out of the way or interrupting those patterns. Because unless you have a very clear what for or a very clear vision about why you would do any of those things, you'll never do it. If the only reason that you're going to take on anything uncomfortable is just because it's uncomfortable and you're not clear on what's on the other side of it, you're, you're not likely to do it. So you got to be really clear about if I was going to interrupt these fear patterns, if I was going to leave this corporate job, if I was going to start a business, why? What's in that for you? It's almost looking at the flip side of what's the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. What gets to happen for you? What does your life get to look like on the other side of starting this business? How much more time do you have? How much more time do you get to spend with your family? How does your relationship with yourself change? How does your relationship with your schedule change? Like, what does your life look like a year from now if you get all the things that you want? Getting really clear on what that vision and what that what for is because that's going to be the, the thing that anchors you when in step three, you have to start to look at, okay, what are the action? Uh, what are the actions that I need to take? Between- this, is the, this is the hardest bit. For- exactly. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. Actually yeah. doing shit is the hard bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so when you start to get into action, you know, part of it is, you know, again, being really clear on the what for, but then also, and this is, this is the piece that Um, I don't think enough people realize is it's actually not about trying to do everything yourself. You know, you talk about what's going to support people or what's like the, what's the answer to how people can uh, start to take these steps and move in the direction of their dreams and starting a business and what they want to create. I think it's realizing that we as people, as human beings are fickle. 
We are fickle creatures left to our own devices. We will just do the thing that is comfortable and safe for us because that's, that's just totally normal and natural. So I think in step three, when you start to look at taking action towards that thing, it's looking at how do I not do all these things by myself? Like how do I actually get supported either by a coach, by a mentor, by a friend, by a mastermind? Like how do I actually put myself into community and communion with other people who are going to be able to support me when I get afraid or I get taken out or I get rejected or disappointed or whatever it is, and who are also going to normalize this new way of living. Um, and so in, you know, in step three, part of it, I think, is the support and the relationships and the community and the communion. And then it's just, it's just taking action. Like, here's, here's the thing. You, know, wanna, you wanna know the, the secret to moving towards starting your own business and becoming an entrepreneur? It's doing it. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the secret we're all the, the most afraid of yeah exactly it's taking action but it's so funny because even in you know even in talking about it with people it turns into this huge thing of like what do i need to do to take action and i need more information and i need to get inspired more and i need to learn more about what's next and it it builds it into this huge crazy overwhelming monster of a thing when in reality it's, it's, it doesn't have to be that hard. It's literally just looking at what is the next logical step in the direction of what I want to create, period. And then it's just looking at, okay, I'm just going to go out and take the next, you know, the next logical step. You're not getting from A to Z. You're just getting from A to B and then B to C, C to D, you know, all the way to Z. Um, so to, to your question, you know, like I said, I think step one's awareness and noticing. Um, Step two is starting to get clear on what's that what for, what's the vision on the other side of breaking those patterns up. And then step three is being in action and also not doing it alone. Are there any, in that kind of, particularly in the step two and then we'll come mm -hmm. on to step three is, um, I think goal setting in, in yep. some way kind of fits within there. And I think in a lot of conversations I have, and there's a million ways of doing it, but mm -hmm. any advice on how yeah. people can set effective goals and then also track them so that they're not just written down once upon a time because there's a harvard study that said like only three percent of people have goals written down and we wonder why it's called the top one percent right yeah so, <laughs> do <you know? laughs> if we're not writing our goals down how much do we think we can actually achieve so yeah is there a is there a practical method that you personally use yes um yes and i this is a brilliant question. So thank you for asking. And to, you know, really just quickly comment on the point that you just made. It's almost like, imagine that you're a ship out at sea. If you don't have a direction, if you don't have a place that you're going, what's going to happen is the ocean is just going to move you wherever the ocean wants to move you. You have no control. And that's how most people live their lives. They are a ship out, adrift out at sea. And so part of the opportunity here is actually defining where is it that I want to go and it's not about doing it perfectly. It's just having a sense for what are the things that I want to start to accomplish? Because I think what you'll start to realize is even if you don't have the most perfect goal setting system or the most perfect accountability system, just giving your unconscious subconscious mind fodder and a direction that, that you want to start to head, what you'll find is you'll start to take steps to do it consciously and unconsciously. It's almost this idea of like you start to move in the direction that you're looking. And so you really want to make sure that the place that you're looking is intentional and is aligned with what you truly want, like what you actually want. Um, to your question on goal setting, I think the first thing that I'll share is I would just have people get clear and take a, take a moment to think about how we normally set goals. And normally how we set goals is from a place of trying to fix something. Mm -hmm. Something is wrong with our life. And so therefore we are trying to fix it, like losing weight, whatever, however you feel about your body, however you feel about your own physical health, a lot of times like, oh, I want to lose this much weight because they feel that there's something wrong. It's the moving away from thing, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, bingo. Exactly. Instead of the moving towards. Mm. And the thing about problems, <laughs> this, and I, I always find this is funny in, in uh, sharing this with people, but the funny thing about problems is the only reason it's a problem is because we relate to it as a problem. And when we focus on it as a problem and we try and fix the problem, all we do is we just more deeply ingrain the idea that there's something that needs to be fixed and it never works. It doesn't work. And I'm sure that the, you know, the folks who are listening, if you set goals around, you know, hey, I want to lose weight or I want to make X amount more money because I don't think I make enough money. How does that usually work? 
It doesn't. Very rarely do those works, do, do those goals actually do anything or rarely, very rarely do we actually go out and achieve those things. So I think the first part is actually getting, getting clear on and taking a look at where are you setting goals from? And if you're not moving away from something, if you're not trying to fix a problem, the idea is to start to set goals in service of something that you want to create or something that you want to move towards. And that comes down to getting in touch with your core desires and, and core wants and things that you just like and enjoy and starting to move towards those things. So step one is actually just getting clear on, or the first piece of this is just getting clear on where are you setting goals from? How do you move towards the things that you want instead of trying to fix a problem? In terms of the actual goal setting process, um, uh, a couple things that I'll share. I usually try and stay in the realm of SMART goals. Um, so specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, uh, time bound, uh, I think is the, the acronym for it. Um, but it's just being super clear about from a specificity perspective, how are you being very clear about what it is you are trying to create? Because there's a big difference between saying, I want to make more money and I want to make 5,000 more dollars each month very different. The energy of it is different. How you go about creating it is different. Um, the opportunities that pop into your brain and come into your life to help you create that thing are going to be very different and much more abundant. Um, and so there's a lot of power in becoming very clear and specific about here's the exact thing that I want to create. Um, and I sometimes share this analogy of like, you know, if you're trying to find, if you're on one side of the country and you're trying to find a friend uh, in another part of the country, if you only knew that they lived in the same country, it would take you forever to drive around and trying to find this person if you ever find them. Versus if you start to know the country and maybe the county or like the half of the country that they're in, it becomes a little bit easier. And then maybe you know the, the state or the city that they live in, it becomes a little bit easier. And then you know the street that they live on and it's like you can literally just drive right to their house. And it's the exact same thing with goal setting. The clarity that you have, the more specific and clear that you are in the goals that you set, the easier it's gonna be for you to get from where you are to actually creating that thing. Um, so I think specificity is an important part of that. Time bound, the T in SMART is also a really important part of that. Um, you know, I wanna make more money, okay? I wanna make $5,000 by when? By when? What's the date? And actually sharing that date with other people because when you put a date on it, it becomes real. Mm -hmm. It's not this thing that you can just wait to do eventually or hope happens. It's like, well, I said this thing, I declared this thing. And because it has left my mouth and left my brain, it is now a real thing in the world. And I uh, have to be responsible for it. It creates this sense of responsibility for actually fulfilling on the thing that you said that you wanted. Um, and so I think that that smart approach to it is the one that I use. And um, I think is, uh, I think is really important. Um, See if there's anything else that I would say around uh, goal setting and just tracking. Yeah, on, yeah, that's uh, we'll come on to the tracking bit as well because I think that's important. Um, but on the time bound stuff, how do you? Because one question I I hear over and over again is, well, how do I know how long it's going to take? Right, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. how do you go about setting time scales that are, I guess, challenging yet attainable? Yep. Yeah. Um, so two things that I'll share. One is if you are resistant to setting a timeline or a by when date for a goal because you're confused about how long it's going to take, it's not actually, that's not actually the conversation. I would, I would assert that the real reason is because you're afraid to do it and you're afraid to be in action. So just get responsible for that. Um, but to the second piece, if, you, if you're trying to look at like, how do I set more effective goals? Um, I think part of it is looking at past experience. Like what, what has typically been realistic for you in terms of achieving these same kinds of results because there is a level of reality that we want to bring into setting goals that are realistic. Um, and at the same time, like what's going to be confronting or challenging? Because mm -hmm. um, I think we as people, we enjoy challenge, you know, when we don't make it mean anything about ourselves. If we, if we don't hit it or not, we actually enjoy the challenge and we actually enjoy the growth that we get to experience in service of these goals. So I think it's a mixture and a balance of sending something that is realistic, but at the same time is challenging and actually calls you forward into a higher version of yourself or a more advanced version of yourself, so to speak. That makes sense. And then on the tracking, this is something that's quite, I'm really interested in because, mm -hmm. you know, some people 
track frequently um uh, some people plan on a weekly basis a daily basis you know things like seven habits of highly effective people is a big mm -hmm. proponent of the weekly planning and it, and it makes absolute sense mm -hmm. but how do you avoid the overwhelm and that becoming a another task and i think that's what a lot of people fear on the mm -hmm. tracking is oh my god I've, I've got to find the time to actually do all of this stuff now yeah well i think kind of similar to my um to, to what i just shared the first piece that i would share around it is have people and for everyone listening if this is you i would encourage you to get clear on your relationship to goal setting and your relationship to results because it's really easy to talk about strategy and it's really easy to talk about like, well, I'll put it up on a whiteboard and then I'll do X's and then I'll have a weekly review on Sunday evenings where I look at what I accomplished the week before and what I want to accomplish this week and et cetera, et cetera. But if you're trying to strategize on top of this underlying fear or this underlying disempowered relationship with results and goals, nothing that you do from a strategic perspective or none of the tools and tips and tricks that you try are going to do anything. So I think step like the first piece of it is actually getting clear, generating awareness on what is my relationship with goals and what is my relationship with results. Um, because ultimately I see planning and organization as a really empowering thing because what it allows me to do is it allows me to just show up and operate at my highest and best in every moment of the day without having to worry about, am I doing the right things? Am I on track to hit my goals? Do I know where I'm headed? Um, and that's heavy. That's really heavy. So, you know, I think that there's a certain level of freedom that comes from a more uh, structured and detailed organizational process, um, however that looks for you. You know, for me, it's quarterly and then monthly and then weekly and looking at like, all right, what do I need to create in this week in service of my goals this month? Um, and then, you know, I do a, a review on Sundays typically of like, hey, how'd the last week go? You know, what do I want to do this week? Um, so I think that's the first piece, just creating awareness around the relationship and the results. Um, and then the second piece is just looking at like what's going to be most effective for you over time. Like it's not about taking on an, an, a huge... Um, that's the thing. I think most people dive into they write the first set of goals and they try and do a hundred things in week one yep. and it all falls to pieces. You've got no way of keeping up yep. and the whole thing breaks straight away. It's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go start running. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to start running. And everyone goes, try, tries to run 10 miles the first day and mm -hmm. it kills them. And then they don't get up again the next day. So it's the same. We have the same, we're humans. We have the same problems with everything that we try to tackle. We try to do too much too soon and, and negate the, benefit of the compound effect right bingo yeah exactly and it, that's it's a self-sabotage pattern the and you know the thing about creating results you know because i think ultimately this conversation is all about how do we get what we want how do yeah. we create what we want and i think one of the core pieces of this conversation is actually about trust and it's actually about the level of trust that we have with ourselves to carry out the declarations and commitments that we've made. And so you think about that example that you just shared of, I'm gonna go from zero to a hundred things. What I would assert in that, in that experience or in that process is all you're doing is you're corroborating the underlying story that you can't be trusted. And you're like, look at this. I went out and I tried to do all these things and it didn't work. I guess I'm right. I guess I can't get what I want which is so silly. Like what, a silly, like what a silly conversation to have. So I think the more loving thing, like the thing that's actually in service of, you know, you being a more powerful individual and actually creating the results that you want is looking at what are the winnable, smaller steps that I can take to start to build my trust muscle with myself so that I can get to the place where I decide, hey, there are a hundred things that I want to take on. And I know in my heart and in my brain that I am trustworthy and committed to making those things happen. So I think all of it just comes down to a gradient and actually looking at like, what is the smallest next step and smallest next victory that I can take on in service of me becoming a more powerful, trusting individual who actually carries through and creates the results that I want to create. And how do you, do you have any particular tools or for, for setting and tracking your goals yeah so, so there's so many bloody tools out there now mm -hmm. i think one of the things one of the procrastination tactics that i see is people bouncing from one one thing to the next looking for the perfect tool for tracking the 
to do's and the goals and the and the tasks and all the rest of it. So I'd be interested yep. to see what you use. Totally. So it's super simple. It's literally just a, well, I think I've been in a word doc or like a, my one note doc. And it's literally just a uh, summarization or a list of here are the yearly goals that I have. Here are the quarterly goals that I have. It's broken out by month. And then at the beginning of each week, I take a look at what do I need to do in service of the monthly goals, quarterly goals, yearly goals that I'm actually moving towards. So super simple. I set it at the beginning of the year and it doesn't change. The goals that I have for the year, you know, remain the goals for the year. That's also something that I share with my coach as well. He's also clear on what I'm looking to create. And we're both in a conversation about how I'm progressing and how I'm tracking towards those things. Um, in terms of like more, uh, how would I more like everyday habits or things that I'm like, oh, hey, that would be cool to try for 30 days. Mm -hmm. um, I just have a huge whiteboard in, uh, in where I live. And I literally just, I will create like a calendar. And then usually I'll do like 30 day challenges and I'll write it on the whiteboard. So I see it every single day. And at the end of every day, I'll go up and I'll just do an X on the day. And I think that's actually a really powerful um, visual tool that I would really encourage everyone to consider using because it's front and center. I see it every single day. So I'm reminded of my commitment on a daily basis. And it's actually sort of this psychological thing where I'm like, I don't want to stop the pattern. Like, I don't want to like break the line of, you know, of game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's exactly what, that's exactly what yeah. it is. Um, so for me, those are, I mean, those are really the two big things. Um, I uh, read a book recently, um, Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. Amazing book. Yeah, yeah really, book. really great book. Um, and it's so funny because a lot of the things that I'm reading through, I'm like, oh yeah, totally. Like it's like common sense, but it's not common practice. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's, you know, to your point, it's deciding on something and just sticking with it. And maybe after a couple months, you realize, hey, this doesn't exactly, you know, work for me or this isn't my cup of tea and that's fine. You can change it, do something else. But I think it's just getting started and committing to something. So then if we go back towards the, the business stuff and the transition. Mm -hmm. um, what can people do as a, 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 or what should people be thinking of as they go that, into that transition to set themselves up um, for the greatest confidence, I suppose, um, and also chance of success, you know, kind of just the fundamentals around, okay, now I'm going to switch from this employee mindset into a entrepreneur mindset mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you know, obviously one of the one of the things that generally comes up where possible have some kind of um funding behind you so that mm -hmm. you're not you're not completely panicked over the bills and mm -hmm. whatever else but mm -hmm. what other stuff should people be thinking about as they go into that that process totally yeah great question so a couple of things that i'll share i think first and foremost like i mentioned earlier the community and support structures that you have in place are so incredibly valuable. And those are incredibly, incredibly important um, because ultimately, you know, entrepreneurship is a skill and it is a uh, uh, practice just like anything else. But what I find is the case is that usually the folks I imagine who are listening to this podcast um, are steeped in the socialization of corporate, go get a job, um, you know, work for someone else, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a very different way to approach life. It's a very different way to think about how you structure your day, what success looks like, um, how you evaluate opportunities. All those things are super different. And the best thing that you can do for yourself is connect with and create a community of people who have already done it and are steeped in this more entrepreneurial mindset because they're going to be able to point out things that you would have no idea or it would take you much longer to figure out. They're going to be able to point out blind spots. They're going to be able to normalize when things happen and they're like, it's, it's fine, you know, not a big deal that you might make a huge deal. It might take you out for a week and they're like, oh no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so like the normalization of it is really important. The, um, you know, being able, to, it's like a pathfinding thing too. Like mm -hmm. having them point out the path forward or them having them point out your blind spots, I think is um, super duper valuable. So that's a piece of it. It's like, as you're thinking about what can you do to prepare yourself for the best transition, starting to create those connections and that community within the, the entrepreneurial. Best yeah, so what's the best approach for kind of, creating that network because it's quite a big yes. leap, isn't it to go from the water cooler culture to 
professional entrepreneur because what you know when we talk about fears one of the things that really comes through often is the imposter syndrome it's like how reaching out to other people that you you may see as being you know further along the ped the journey to you and why would they want to come and speak to me yeah so it'd be good to get some a take on that yeah totally so i mean i think the thing that i'll say is it's one person at a time you know, I, uh, with like with any change, especially from a social perspective, it's not going to happen overnight and mm -hmm. it will likely take months, if not years to get to that place where you have built a really strong community of, of entrepreneurs, um, who are, who are in that, uh, who are in that place. So it's just one, it's just taking it one conversation at a time. Um, and I think the thing that I would offer to people who are in this place where they're looking at wanting to leave and start a business, but they don't have a ton of, um, entrepreneurial connections or, you know, even if you're just looking to build more of your community in terms of business owners and entrepreneurs is I would offer that people who are, I, what I find is that people who are entrepreneurs are so willing and excited to talk to other people about what it's like to own a business and be an entrepreneur. That's so they've, they've also spent the time in the minority too, right? So. Bingo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's like a, it's a very different way of life. And it's a, you start to realize how much richer life can become when you own your own business and when you work for yourself. And I think that that's something that we as humans just want to share inherently. I think it's just a very natural thing that we want to share with other human beings. So anytime that anyone reaches out to me and is like, hey, I, I'm thinking about starting a business. I'm thinking about starting, you know, going off by myself. I get so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, please. I'm like, so I'm very encouraging. I, I want to support them as much as humanly possible because it has done wonders, you know, in terms of the experience of my life. My life has gotten so much richer and more joyful and peaceful and powerful and connected. And I love my life now and I want that for other people. And so what I would really just, uh, you know, put in here and, and encourage everyone to understand is that folks who are doing something entrepreneurial and building a business, if you reach out to them with a genuine interest in what they're doing and a genuine interest in asking for advice and asking for guidance and asking for feedback, nine times out of 10, people are going to be like, absolutely. I would love to support you. I would love to share what I know and what I've learned from being in the trenches and going through these really, you know, difficult times, you know, with you. Um, so I think it's just a matter of reaching out. And I mean, you can do it on LinkedIn. You can do it on Instagram. I still do it all the time. I reach out to people in Facebook groups. I'm like, hey, I really love what you're doing. I'd love to just chat with you more about like how you got there and, and you, know, what you're, uh, you know, what you're currently up to. And like I said, nine times out of 10, people are like, absolutely. I'd love to you know, set up some time with you. Um, so I think the, the community piece and building that piece, it's one person at a time and it's easier than people think it is. Uh, so community, what else should people yes. really be thinking? Yeah. Um, I think uh, a piece too is education. So if you're looking at leaving and starting a business, one of the things that you can start to do now is just educate yourself around how businesses operate. And there are so many free resources online, books that you can get from the library, books that you can, can buy you know, online, so many podcasts to listen to, YouTube videos to watch. Like, there is so much free information about how to build and start and run an effective business. I mean, you, you could literally just spend your entire life just learning about it. Um, but what I find is it's really helpful for taking a lot of the illusion and a lot of like the mysticism out of building a business um, because there are a lot of things to be learned granted. But at the same time, like I shared earlier, it's a practice. It's a skill set just like anything else. And there are core fundamental pieces that uh, play into building any kind of successful business. So I think the, the educational piece of that um, is, uh, is really important. Um, and then the, there was one more piece that I had. Let me what you're build on that as well is mm -hmm. also is the leveraging other skill sets. Like you say, there's so much free information out there. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable now. There's also the advantage of today, you know, things like VAs and various other uh, mm -hmm. outsource um, mm -hmm. skill sets mm -hmm. are relatively cheap. Um, yeah. And something that even 10 years ago really wasn't available to somebody who wanted to start a business. So Bingo. It's kind of become, you know, I think everyone always says, oh, it was easier back then. But actually, 
it's probably easier now than it's ever mm -hmm. been because of all of the tools available. Everything's now online. You're trading, you know, you find your clients online, you, you find your suppliers online. Everything's now available at relatively low cost for, for software and help. And I think mm -hmm. that's something else to, to think about because totally makes it yeah. Big not trying to do everything yourself. Um, Cause I think that's like we said earlier, easier said. Than <laughs> <that better>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, I, you know, I think that there's a level of, um, of uh, importance in understanding how the different pieces of a business operate from a marketing perspective, sales perspective, operations perspective. Um, and at the same time, it's not about being an expert in every single area. And I think that, you know, I've fallen victim to this and I still fall victim to this in some ways of like, oh, I have to be an expert in everything or I have to understand how to do everything versus I'm very clear that this is my zone of genius. This is the thing that I do better than anything else. And I'm going to focus on this one thing and all the other functions of my business, I'm going to delegate to someone else that I can trust that I know is going to be able to handle that piece. Um, and so it, it, you start to build this machine and you start to build this team um, that is much more effective at operating uh, in a way that's sustainable and profitable versus you feeling like you're spinning a billion plates and you're so much more likely to drop, you know, you're so much more likely to drop them. Yeah, that's I. You know, I say to people quite frequently was, think about CEOs of large, multinational organizations that have twenty thousand, a hundred thousand employees. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Do you think the CEO of those businesses <laughs> knows how to do all the jobs? <laughs> yeah, not, not a chance. That's not that's not the point of his role. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I think you've got to kind of get that into your mind. It's good to have. I think when you're starting off, it's like you say, it's good to have an understanding of some of the basics so that. You, you're able to have a good conversation with the people that you do outsource to, you mm -hmm. know, a mm -hmm. bit of an understanding of building a website, even if you don't yep. know how to exactly do it. But so you're not getting ripped off for, oh yeah, it's going to be $20,000 and it's going to take me three months to do because Bingo. it's nonsense, right? You can yeah. build a website in a day pretty much. So it's just having a bit of an understanding of what's possible, even if you don't mm -hmm. have the technical skills of actually how to do it would, would be a totally. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just about getting it done versus having it be done perfectly. I yeah. think, I mean, honestly, when I think about website design, I think unless you are really needing something super specific and unique um, and have an entire uh, marketing plan behind how you're going to funnel people to your website. There is no need to spend that kind of money on a, on a website. Like my website, I designed by myself, wrote by myself. And like, granted, it's not perfect. There's a lot of stuff that I, you know, that I wish was better, but at the same time, like it's totally fine for, for the need and the function and the purpose that, you know, that I have. And, you know, even, you know, a more a broad conversation about outsourcing, like I've also fallen victim to hiring a VA when I didn't really need one. Mm -hmm. I didn't really need a VA. I, for, at that point in time, I thought that it was important and I thought that it was valuable. But what, I'm, what I also start to realize is like, ultimately it comes down to this idea of what is the value of your time? And when you start to realize that your time is maxed out, you start to look at what are the areas where I'm focused on work that is less valuable than how I uh, like my hourly rate or how I value my time. And you start to take those less valuable tasks and hand them off to someone else so that you can then fill that time with, you know, more work, more clients, more whatever it is. Um, but I think it, the, the first part of it is just getting to a point where you're maxed out first and then really intentionally looking at what are the, what are the pieces that I can outsource that I know are going to help me spend more time doing the thing that I really love and the thing that I'm best at. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Anything, anything else that people should consider that, at the, that kind of real early startup stage? That transition. Oh, yes. The other thing that I wanted to mention, I think is really important, is well-being. Mm. So I think it's so easy. And this is actually something I think a lot of entrepreneurs fall victim to, even really successful. I think especially really successful entrepreneurs is a lack of well-being and a lack of not taking care of yourself effectively. Because ultimately the thing about starting a business, the thing about, especially in the early stages, when you're a solopreneur or you have a very small team, the health of your business is directly correlated to your own personal, mental, emotional health. Ultimately. 100%, yeah. And the, the better that you take care of yourself 
the better that your business is going to be taken care of. Um, because ultimately, I think sometimes, and granted, there are times where you just got to put the pedal to the metal and, you know, you're not going to be able to sleep all that much or you're just going to have an off week or, you know, whatever it might be. But when you think about this idea of quality of presence mm -hmm. and how you show up, for example, to a sales conversation with a potential client. If you are deprived of sleep, if you're eating like crap, if you haven't talked to any of your friends in a week and a half and haven't socialized at all, you're feeling super anxious because you've got all this other stuff going on in your head. Think about how you're going to show up to that sales conversation. Not very well, <laughs> like not very powerful. You can have a lot of other stuff that's going yeah, on. You're that's setting yourself up for failure you. straight away. It's yeah, exactly. Versus if you think about you got eight hours of sleep, you woke up in the morning, you meditated, you journaled, you got rid of all your anxiety. You just spent the last three days hanging out with your friends and talking about how you're feeling and getting supported. Think about the quality of presence you can bring into that conversation. You're going to be so much more attuned to their needs, to what they're saying. You're going to be so much more capable to enroll them and actually sell them on what you're uh, offering or what your service is. And it's just extrapolating that example out over every sales conversation that you have and every moment of your day. The more that you can show up fully sourced and taken care of and supported and feeling good and healthy and powerful, the, the more quickly that your business is going to take off. So I think in the beginning, I think that's also especially important is looking at like, how are you going to take care of yourself effectively, even if it means not working as much so that you can get the sleep that you need and you take care of yourself in the way that you need to. That, and that's, that's one of the traps most people, most of us fall into in the very beginning is suddenly every hour becomes an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and you man. suddenly start to think, shit, why am I sitting down doing nothing? That I could, I be, could be doing something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to watch, you definitely have to watch out for that. I've, there's very few people I've found that haven't fallen victim to that at mm. least once. Mm -hmm. um, anything else that you, you'd like to share? With people oh do. man we yeah up, i got a few um what i call quick fire questions to come oh cool with, um they they invariably don't end up being quick fire. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> the idea fun. was quick fire but yeah before we get on to those uh, if there's anything else you want to share go ahead. yeah i think that i think the thing that i'll just like that i'll leave people with is that entrepreneurship is a game of of um how would i put this uh stamina it's a game of stamina and it's a game of how long are you willing to continue to play until you create the breakthroughs needed to create the business that you want. And it takes a different amount of time for everyone, but I can't tell you that is the number one thing that I hear from other entrepreneurs that I connect with. It's a thing that I'm seeing in my business is it's a function of how long are you willing to stay in the game? Just keep playing, just keep playing, just keep playing, just keep playing. Because eventually you will get to a point where you have enough information, you have the right opportunity, you have the right team, your mindset is correct in, in the ways that it should be. And you will eventually get to a place where you're able to create the success that you want to. But it's honestly just about not giving up. It is just being unwilling to quit and unwilling to stop in service of what you want. Even when it seems crazy. And even when people are like, what are you doing? Like, wh like what the hell are you doing? Why don't you just go, you know, go get a job? It's just continuing to stay, um, just continuing to stay in the game. I think that's the biggest thing. That is very powerful. Like Jim Rohn said that you keep going until, <laughs> you know, and it's, that's the point. You either, you either succeed in whatever task you're trying to achieve or you quit. There's mm -hmm. only the two options. The only yep. thing that's going to stop you from achieving is, is quitting or dying. That's yep. it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> that's it too. Uh, so let's go on to these quick questions because I know <laughs> that we are coming towards the end of our time. So number one, uh, do you have a morning routine? And yes. if you do, what does it look like? Cool. So, oh man, I can talk about this forever. Um, well, a couple of things I want to mention. One is I always get seven and a half to eight hours of sleep. 
non-negotiable. I usually wake up and go to bed at the same time, non-negotiable. Um, when I wake up in the morning, I a couple different things that I do. Usually do some sort of physical exercise, cardio, um, you know, body weight exercises, weightlifting, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then I sit down and there's a certain set of activities that I take on every morning. Um, one is journaling. So I basically just journal about what are all the thoughts and feelings and judgments that I have in my head, get them out on paper. The second is gratitude. So I spend some time uh, just getting really present at the gratitude that I have for everything that I have and that is coming my way. And then the third is what I call expectations. So sometimes I think what happens is we look at the day and we have a way that we expect it to go. And usually it's like worst case scenario or fear-based thinking. So I literally go through and I reset all of my expectations for the day. And I say, I expect this person to hire me. I expect this thing to happen. I expect to be pleasantly surprised today. I expect to, you know, whatever it is, I just reset my expectations in a more positive way. Um, and then usually what I'll do is I will listen to like dance or techno music and I will look through a vision board that I have for myself and read through some vision statements that I have for the next um, like one to three years. Nice. I like that. It's very good. Uh, three books you'd recommend and why? Oh my goodness. All of the hard, books. They're so, God, <laughs> only three? Um, yeah, that's why it's three. Man, okay, cool. So, okay. Partly right, it's so, only three because some, quite a lot come up that I haven't read, surprisingly, because I've got, I plow through nice. books. But mm -hmm. the problem is, if I ask for five, my list would go <laughs> yeah. even <larger. laughs> too many. There's too yeah, many. Exactly. Even three uh, hard to manage. <laughs> so, okay, so what I would say. So the first is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Um, it's a book on spirituality. It is one of the most impactful books that I've uh, read. The second is Sapiens. Um, I talk about this book, honestly, like every, probably every week. That is, aside from The Untethered Soul, that is probably the book that has most profoundly shifted the way that I think about myself and life and people. Um, the third is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Um, which talks about why most small businesses fail. Um, and it's an incredibly insightful book. Um, and he just like really hits the mark in that book. Nice. That's on my list for, I think it's probably the book after the one I'm reading at the moment. Nice. And that's two in a row. I've had uh, two. Oh, really? Cool. Uh, okay. Recommended. So that's good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, three people to you'd recommend following or listening to. Oh man. Great question. Who's got a good message? <sighs> I would say uh, Tom Bilyeu mm -hmm. from Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Mm -hmm. um, really, really great. Um, Luce Howes, uh, School of Greatness, also really great. And I've been um, listening to a lot of Brene Brown recently. Um, she had an episode with Glennon Doyle who wrote Love Warrior and she just wrote a book called Untamed um, and just hugely i love the work that she's doing i think it's so 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 incredibly important so yeah i'd say those three nice uh this one i know you're going to have an answer for three habits or disciplines yeah. that you've adopted that you feel have made the biggest difference to your life nice oh my gosh uh knowing that you now write them off on the wall <laughs> you know, yeah. like, i knew yes. you're gonna have an answer for this so. yeah sleep for sure sleep is like the is the biggest the biggest thing for me um going to bed at the same time waking up at the same time um getting a solid amount of sleep that has been completely life-changing for me um having a solid wake up routine, morning routine, and also a shutdown routine. So I shut down at the end of the day and basically just like look at what I'm proud of, what I accomplished for the day, and then basically give myself permission to stop working for the rest of the evening. Um, and then, you know, I think the other thing, and this is a little bit more intangible, but it's just noticing when I start to get caught in negative thought loops and like spirals, like shame spirals, I'm getting better at, at catching it in the moment and then not letting it pick up momentum because the more momentum it picks up, the harder it is to stop. Um, and so I've just gotten much better at like doing whatever I need to do in the moment, whether it's like walking away from work or calling someone or whatever it is to like stop that train in its tracks before it, you know, goes completely off the rails. Yeah, Tony Robbins talks about that 90 second rule, like you're, you're, you, can, you can accept your limiting fear or belief or whatever for up to 90 seconds and then you have to let it go. Yeah. Yep. Um, the penultimate question, three tools, systems, apps, services, whatever um, that you use all the time and couldn't live without. So one is a um, progressive alarm 
So instead of um, in the morning, instead of it just being like, bam, super loud noise or music, it's a progressive set of bells that gets, that starts off very softly and it gets louder. Um, so it's just a very nice way to wake up. Is that um, it's an app. Yeah. It's um, I'm happy to send it to you if you want to put it in the show notes. Um, I don't know the exact name of it, uh, but if you just look it up on the app store, you should yeah, be able huh. to find it. Um, the second is simply noise. And it's a, it's a white noise generator. So when I work, I listen to white noise and I use noise canceling headphones and it just like really helps me focus on what I'm doing. Um, and then I think the third is an app on Chrome called Just Focus. And you can basically block certain sites for a period of time, however long you want. So I block a lot of social media when I just need to like sit down and like get focused and, you know, knock a bunch of work out. I like that. Yeah, I I have to do similar stuff because I'm too easily distracted. My school yeah. reports always say yeah. <laughs> bright, but very too distracted. Easily distracted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last question is: If you could spend an hour with anybody, dead or alive, who would that one person be? Oh my gosh, what a great question! Wow. Um, <clears throat> probably Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, astrophysicist. Um, I just, I think there's this really cool duality between um, like the physical reality in which we live and the spiritual reality that you can't necessarily see, but is there. And I think he does a really good job and a really cool job of like bridging the two and being able to talk about the physical laws of the universe in a way that's very digestible um and he's just a very captivating engaging speaker um so i'd love to just like have my mind blown sit down and just like have my mind blown in talking mm -hmm. about the universe um yeah that's that's funny that's what yeah. i'd say that was, uh, thinking about the universe is yeah. a definite even thank you very much for giving up your time where can people Absolutely. uh track you down and find you yeah. So best place is my website, which is HaydenHumphrey.com. Um, you can also find me on most social media platforms at Hayden as himself. Um, I'm uh, most, uh, uh, I post most on Instagram and LinkedIn. Nice. Well, like I said, thank you very, very much. And hopefully I'm sure we've got plenty more we could cover again. So hopefully <laughs> again at some point, but um, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Cheers, mate.